Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Happy New Year to you. It's good to see you guys out here on a cold, wintry January time. It's great to have you joining us online. Well, for those who thought our troubles and would be over in 2020, got a newsflash, they're not. If anybody had uh, the events of this week on your 2021 bingo card, um, I don't think anybody could have ever guessed some of the events that we saw happen this week. And so we're going to be jumping into our sermon series, Dreamcatcher. Before we do, I want to just offer a few things and then have a time of prayer uh, for this. You know, this week we saw something that I never dreamed that we would have seen as a mob entered our capital, ransacked the seat of our legislative government. It was something we could not have imagined. And frankly, to be honest with you this morning, I, I am still processing it. I don't feel my words are articulate this morning because it's still a very gut level. Uh, the sadness, the shock, the anger. And I just want to acknowledge today that I bring that into this space. And so whatever you bring with you today, we welcome that into this space as well. And also to say what we have witnessed and continue to witness in our political landscape is not okay. Words matter. And in particular, what was troubling to me this week in the Capitol was to see the Christian flag paraded through the halls of Congress. It was deeply disturbing to me. And to say on both sides of our political landscape, the events of our last year have been deeply troubling. To say that violence that's ever done in the name of Jesus is wrong. It's wrong to do violence regardless of political ideology in the name of Jesus. That is not the Jesus way. Jesus came to pronounce and build a kingdom not of this world, but of God. People came and asked, are you going to kick out the Romans and establish an earthly kingdom? But Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. In fact, he came to bring salvation to the world, including the Romans. And as far as when our focus is on our political struggle of the moment that we lose sight of God's eternal kingdom, we too are wrong been thinking of this picture by uh, Matthias Grunewald, and it's a picture called Crucifixion. And uh, obviously you see Jesus. This was actually at St. Anthony's Monastery in Italy, of which there's a hospital there, and they would treat people with skin disease. And uh, on Jesus's body uh, was the skin disease that they treated. And Matthias painted this as a sign of, to show the hospital patients that Jesus too suffers with you. But what captured my attention this week as I reflected on this was to our right, Jesus' left, is John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was not actually at the crucifixion. He had died before that. But in this painting by Matthias Grunewald, he paints John the Baptist. And what strikes me is what John the Baptist is doing. He's pointing to Jesus. And in Latin, you can't see that in there, but in Latin behind him are John's words, he must increase, I must decrease. And I think during this time of reflection, it's good for us to remind ourselves that as Christians, our call is that when you look at me, I am pointing to Jesus. I am always pointing to Jesus. And in fact, the, 
the judgment that you can give upon the sermon today is when you walk out, have you seen and are you being pointed toward Jesus? But as me as a, as a Christian and you as a Christian, the question of our lives are, are we pointing to a person? Are we pointing to a party? Are we pointing to a problem? Or is our life pointing to Jesus? And insofar as we get distracted from pointing to Jesus, we are wrong and off. Because God calls us always to point to Jesus. Do you join me in a word of prayer? Well, gracious God, we come as we've come many times. We come and lift up to you our nation. We pray, God, that you might bring lasting peace. God, I pray that the same peace that I have enjoyed in my lifetime would my children and their children and their children's children would be able to enjoy. We pray for truth and righteousness and justice to be in our land. And God, I pray your church today that the church in America would always point to Jesus and would not lose sight of our call to point to you and your heavenly kingdom and not get lost in the political landscape of the day. And now, God, I pray that as we jump into our series on Dreamcatcher, that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to be open of how you're calling us to follow your dreams for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Chip did a masterful job last week uh, talking about God's uh, call and dreams for your life. And God gave Abram a huge dream, didn't he? He said that all of the people of this world would be blessed through you. He was going to make them a great nation. And so Abram showed remarkable faith to travel over a thousand miles to go back through into Canaan. And we're going to pick up at the next verse in chapter 12 today, of which Abram reaches the land of promise. And in the land of promise, we're going to see things are not always easy when we follow God's dream. Verse 10 chapter 12. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. Now that probably wasn't what Abram expected to happen after traveling all that way to get to the land of promise. He probably wasn't thinking, okay, I'm going to work hard for God, step out in faith, I'm going to get there, and then suddenly there's going to be a famine or a lack of food in the land. And we're told that it is a severe famine. Food is scarce. Their survival is not guaranteed. And so Abram makes a decision to let's go keep going south to Egypt for a temporary stay. What's interesting, the text doesn't say or pass judgment whether what Abram was doing was right or wrong. It doesn't say that Abram wasn't showing faith by going to Egypt. It doesn't say that he should have remained. It simply says there was a famine and that Abram and his family with Lot go down to Egypt. So we see that circumstances will take us places we don't want or expect to be. Is that not the truth over this season, the last uh, 12 months? That circumstances in this life will take us places that we didn't expect or we'd rather not be. For students in NTI, for wearing masks, for eating outside in an outdoor Eskimo hut in January, 
I kind of like that, though. I hope that's sixth round. You get your little personal heater. You got plastic around you zipping up. You don't know what you're breathing, but it's kind of a fun experience for now. Make the most of it. But we end up in this season in the place we really never expected to be or wanted to be, like Abram. And it's just the fact of life. I remember being out of college in 2008 and being with some young professionals and the Great Recession hit, right? And some of them could no longer get jobs in the city where we were and they ended up moving to other major metropolitan areas to places they would have never dreamed of gone. But the circumstances had changed and now their family is in places that they would have never dreamed of being. The danger is, is to, we need to prepare ourselves when God gives us a dream to know that circumstances will not always be easy in front of us. This doesn't mean that the dream is not of God, but what it does mean is that we have to be intentional to keep the dream of God before us, or else circumstances will quickly cloud our attention and we'll see that the dreams of God fall away. We continue in verse 11 through 13. As, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. It's one of those moments in Scripture you're like, what are you doing? What's this plan? What's going on? But when you enter unexpected circumstances and times of chaos, fear is going to be present. Anytime that you step out for God to follow his dream, fear will always be there. The question is, would the Egyptians have killed Abram? We don't know that. We don't know that Abram had even been to Egypt. He obviously lived in a different place. But we do know that before these circumstances hit, that God had made a promise that God was going to make a great nation through Abram. This time, Abram didn't have a seed through which the great nation would come. So what we can say is that God's promises before the circumstances were still true in the middle of the fear and in the middle of the unexpected circumstances. But Abram quickly forgot. And so he comes up with this plan for Sarai to say that she is his sister. Not a good plan, not God's plan. But fear will cause us to do things that we never intend to do. I was talking with a counselor recently, and they were talking about working with children, children who have big emotions. Okay, we, we think of toddler phase, we think of these phases, or maybe even as they get a little older, even in adolescence, we can have some really big emotions. My friend doesn't play with me, and suddenly you talk to your son or daughter, and they say, everybody hates me. Okay? It is a very real emotion that I'm feeling that my friend doesn't like me. But we jump to these true statements, everybody hates me. And what the counselor was teaching parents was, hey, we want to meet kids into that place and say, yes, what you're feeling is very real, but it may not be fully true. You feel strong emotions, anger, fear, and all these things. Yes, those are real emotions, but the statements and conclusions we come to are not always true. Friends, I think in a land full of fear, we can say there are a lot of of real emotions going on in the land. 
The fear that is around us, the anger that's around us, the emotion that's around us are all very real. Many of the conclusions that we are coming to as a people and as a land are not true. And what even complicates this is we struggle even to agree upon what is true. One issue around us has 20 truths that people are saying this is completely true. And what we're losing sight of is all of this real emotion is becoming our truth, whether it's true or not. As a church, we are called back to that which is ultimately true. It is God's word, the source of truth. But these unexpected circumstances cause us to act out of fear and do things we normally would not do. I was 23 years old, and my phone rang, and it was my grandmother. She's now with Jesus, a pious Christian woman. And she said, Josh, you called me about an hour ago. That was not true. And you told me you were in jail in Canada for marijuana. Okay, that was not true. If any of you had questions, that part was not true. And she said, and you told me that you had to, or, and you told me not to tell anybody. I said, Grandma... If I'm ever in a foreign country and am in jail due to drug use, you need to tell a lot of people that I'm there. She said, and you told me to go get $1,000 and to wire it to get you out of jail. She said, and I did. Oh, Grandma. Oh, Grandma. So we talked about it. I was trying to figure out how we could get it back. Gratefully, Walmart had a fraudulent meter that was pinged and they didn't actually send the money but for my grandma who was afraid her grandson who apparently does drugs in Canada (laughs) she did something she would not normally do and what we need to remember is that in a land of fear in a place of fear if we are not keeping our emotions in check We will do things we never dreamed of doing. We will say things we've never thought of saying. We will respond in ways we could never imagine ourselves responding because we are responding in fear and not in faith. Those people called back to ask where the money was. And my grandmother said something I never have heard her say before or since. She told them they were going to hell and she hung up on my pious Christian grandma. Friends, are you afraid today? Are you afraid today? If you are, be careful. Remember God's promise before these circumstances hit, and be careful in the actions you choose when in fear. Abram would have never have dreamed before he got to Canaan of pawning off his wife as his sister to try to save his life, but alas, that is what happened. We continue in verse 14. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted Serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said? Why didn't you tell me she was uh, your wife? 
Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? It's kind of an interesting dichotomy we have here in that Abram is blessed materially in terms of receiving more material wealth because of what the way Pharaoh favored his wife. You know, God had promised to bless Abram. But I do not think that plan of blessing came through living a lie. And there's a temptation sometimes that when we materially gain in terms of resources and finances, in terms of our business growing, that we can call that a blessing. But if the blessing comes through violating God's law, that's not a blessing. If it comes through lying on our taxes or cheating other people, and if we are prospering as a result of sinning, that is not God's blessing. So Abram here sits in a lie, and he materially gains. But God did not allow that to stand. Pharaoh and his house are impacted with serious diseases. And if you think about it, this wasn't Pharaoh's fault. They didn't think they were stealing somebody else's spouse. But the actions out of fear is beginning to hurt both ourselves, both Abram, and hurt others. Friends, fear will cause our dreams to be short-circuited. We will hurt ourselves and hurt, and hurt others. Abram was not alone in Egypt. His nephew Lot was with him. And isn't it interesting in Genesis chapter 19, Lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah when he sends visitors, three visitors, to visit Lot. And a mob comes in and says, give us the visitors that are here. And Lot's response is, no, I will not do it, but here are my two daughters that have no not a man. Lot, who watched the way that Abram responded in fear and gave up his wife, will later on learn that when he is in fear, will offer up his daughters. And friends, the way we respond in fear matters. There are eyes like Lot was watching Abram, who are watching you, who are watching your post, who are watching what you say, who are watching your prayer life, who are learning how to respond in moments. They are impressionable. And in moments of fear, we cannot respond by giving up on the promises of God. But we must stand in that place and live as Jesus has called us to live because Lot is watching us. Lot is watching We go on in verse 19. Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with them. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold, And from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I'm grateful for the God of second chances. 
Here Abram responded, he went in fear. But God intervenes in that place that was comfortable for him. And he gives them a second shot. He forces them out to go. And Abram had to go back to the place of his dream, the place of his calling, the place of Canaan. But what this means many times when circumstances push us beyond the place of our dreams is that we have to, in fact, face our fears. If you're going to be one who sees the dreams of God for your life fulfilled, you're going to be one who faces their fears, who lives in the place of tension where it is uncomfortable. There is no fulfillment of dreams without facing your fears because God always calls us to places we are not comfortable with. He moves us beyond the places. He sets us in places where we have to stand in his power and stand in his faith and hold tightly to the promises of God no matter the circumstances around us that says we won't act in fear. So God intervenes and he calls Abram and they go. And they go until he ends up at Bethel and he, where he built a first altar. And in many ways, reconsecrates himself before the Lord, reconsecrates his dream before the Lord. God will call us back to our dream. But we have to be willing to trust him and face our fears, even if it means going back to the place of famine. You know, if I think of a word for 2020 as a, as a country, as a world, I think it's the word anxiety. I think we saw anxiety go through the roof for so many people. We saw children who dealt with severe anxiety in ways they had never before, adults as well. And as we now are 10 days into 2021, I think the word is fear. I think there is a fear that's around us. There's uncertainty. There's unknowing. There's a lot of fear that's in our midst. But God spoke in the Old Testament and in the New Testament many times to people who were facing fear. And he said these words, fear not. Don't be afraid. Have not I commanded you be strong and of a good courage. Neither be thou afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And in the middle of a land of fear, we need to hear those words that God is telling us, fear not, I am with you. Well, Rear Admiral Margaret Groon Kibben, she's retired now. We've got a picture of her here. This past Monday, she started a new job. Exciting new phase for her. But her job was not at any ordinary place. Her new job was to be the chaplain of the House of Representatives. Wednesday was her third day on the job. Hours before the mob came in, she prayed this prayer over the House of Representatives. She said, O oh God, our refuge and strength, very present help in times of discord and trouble. Mountains crumble and waters rage, nations roar, yet we need not be afraid. For even now you abide with us in these times of great discourse and uncertainty and unrest. She goes on to pray a hedge of protection around this nation and to call this nation she said, wise leaders still seek God. When the House of Representatives and all Essens went under siege, um, Chaplin was seen praying with people, pastorally ministering to people in their moment of deep need. 
here in this place of dreams which God has called her, she had to face her fear and serve others in the name of Jesus. God wants to use you. God has a dream for you. As C.S. Lewis says, you're never too old to dream a new dream or to set a new goal. But in order to do that, you will have to make a conscious choice through the power of God's Spirit to face your fears. So the question that comes to us today is this, what is the fear that is holding you back from following the plans and purposes and dreams of Jesus Christ for your life? What's that thing that's keeping you in Egypt from going back to the place where God has promised you and called you? It could be financial fear. It could be family fear. It could be a whole host of fears, whether people will respond and receive to what you feel God is calling you to do. But that doesn't matter because when God makes a promise, you can stand in that no matter what. What fear is holding you back today? Face your fears. Let's see what God will accomplish through us. Would you join us in prayer? Join me in prayer. Well, dear God, you are indeed our refuge and our strength. You are indeed a very present help in time of trouble. God, we have nothing to fear, for you have conquered death, and you have the power of life. So God, we pray today that no fear would hold us back as we seek to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today you would say, I'm dealing with fear. You're not alone. If you're online, you can click the live prayer tab. We have hosts that love to pray with you. If you're here today and like prayer as you make your way out, love to meet with you. Ultimately, our life is found in Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ, that we submit our life and our will we confess him that he is our Lord and our Savior, and we put our trust in him. That's the place where fear goes. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love the chance either to pray through a host online, clicking the live prayer button, or to pray with you outside as you leave. So we stand now together and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.